Hello, my dudes. Welcome back to Previously Gifted. Thank you guys for joining in, as in listening to this on the podcast app or SoundCloud or watching this on YouTube. I gotta tell you, today's episode is gonna be sick, dude. And what I mean by that is I am sick and you can probably hear it in my voice, but we're still freaking going. This is aggravating though, because I was sick for like almost a month. Well, not like sick, but like before the holidays, I, my periods have been killing me, TMI, but I've been like dying. So basically that's like a week of hell. And then I was sick, sick for like a week. And now I'm back here and it's cold and I've barely been outside and I'm still getting sick. So that's not fun. But anyway, I'm just like, all right, sure. I'm not dying. So here we go. <laughs> anyway, today's episode is going to be a sick one. I'm very excited about it. Just a few things that we're going to be chatting about include Veganuary, or Vagina, nah, Veganuary sounds like Vagina, January, Veganuary, you guys. Um, so there's a website called Veganuary.com, and we'll be discussing that in just a minute. Um, but basically, it's encouraging people to try out being vegan for the month of January. And guess what? I don't know how far into January we are. We're a week in already. So that's late, but it's okay. It's really just the thought that counts. You can start whenever. You don't have to wait until January 1st, 2019. We can do this, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Veganuary and also Time's Up, the Golden Globes, Blackout, all of that. Um, And mostly, I want to talk about old YouTube because it's been a big, 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 big discussion recently. You know, especially with all the Long and Paul and all the bullshit, you know? People are feeling nostalgic and they miss old YouTube. And I want to discuss how I feel about that. Because, hey, guess what? I've been here. I've been here since 2007, dude. That's way too long to be <laughs> posting videos on this website. But I'm still here. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting thoughts on that, I think. Just kidding. It sounds super lame to be like, I have a lot of interesting thoughts on that. What I meant was, it's an interesting topic, and I have some thoughts on it. You guys can be the judge of whether those are interesting or not. Okay, so first thing, as always, before we get started, we got to give a shout out to our Patreon patrons. If you are a patron on Patreon, you will get access to bonus episodes. I need to film a new bonus episode ASAP. So stay tuned for that. Shouts out to my patrons. You guys are the real ones. You make it more possible for me to do this, aka to help pay for all of this equipment and stuff that I've invested in, etc. So shout out to our permanent Patreon sponsors, the highest level of patron. We've got Joni, good old Joni. We've got Liz at LizW206. I've got your shit memorized. And we have a new podcast sponsor. I need everyone to give a very warm welcome to, pause, just kidding, it's right here, Jerome Nivens. He upgraded, dude. He went up. So thank you so much, Jerome. We're very, very excited to have you. And as in we as in me, just me alone, and I guess the rest of the podcast listeners, we're all very excited. Side note, when I see the name Jerome, I always read it in my head, Jeremy, which I think is really funny. Um, So if your name is in fact pronounced 
Jeremy, I would love that, but I doubt it. Anyway, shout out patrons. You guys keep us going. <laughs> this whole production studio wouldn't be possible without you. So thank you. All right, let's jump the frick in. I need to take a breath and slow down because <laughs> we're going to be talking about Veganuary, okay? First thing, there's a great website, veganuary.com. V-E-G-A-N as in vegan. And then, um, Uary, as in January. That's the most confusing way to spell this out. But I think you guys get what I mean. Um, you can, like, sign up and pledge to do your Veganuary month. I assume they'll be, you know, continuing past January. But, yes, the concept is try to get your friends and family, whoever else, to try being vegan for at least a month. And, oh, my God, I have tried so hard, dude. There are so many people in my life that I have been working with and, you know, I don't try to force anyone to go vegan. I don't try to pressure them because I know it's a big, big lifestyle change and really you won't be successful at it unless you want it for yourself and unless you're willing to put in that effort for yourself and do some research, you know, so you can't force other people to go vegan. But I am happy to say that I do have a lot of friends and family who have been more interested in, you know, eating less meat or going vegetarian or being vegan for at least some meals or some days. And that's, you know, that's essential. It's all a process. Even though I went vegan overnight, that was after months and months and months of watching a lot of videos about it and learning about it um, and just having that general curiosity and gaining a little bit of knowledge. So if you guys are interested, I think you should definitely sign up on Veganuary.com. And they have so many awesome resources. I wanted to share those with you guys. I just got a question, um, suggestion on Snapchat asking for more vegan docs to show people. And here's the thing. Everybody always recommends the same documentaries. <laughs> the, the vegan, like, trinity is Cowspiracy, Earthlings... And what's the other one? Oh, great. I'm forgetting it. Uh, Forks Over Knives? I think that's it. Yeah. Um, basically, it covers like the three elements of veganism or the benefits of them. You know, the animals, your health and the environment. Um, I will say I fucking love Cowspiracy, dude. I absolutely adore that film. That was definitely one of the most impactful uh, documentaries that I watched when I was first going vegan. Um, because initially my biggest concern was the environmental impacts. So I definitely do recommend Cowspiracy. And on that same note, the same creators of Cowspiracy made What the Health, which is another video that I absolutely love. Documentary, I mean. Um, some people criticize <laughs> Cowspiracy and What the Health for being biased. And I'm like, well, obviously they're biased toward veganism because they're trying to convince people to go vegan. Um... But I just find it ridiculous when they're like, um, actually, blah, blah, like, I don't know. I can think of some better uh, claims to refute another time. But, you know, people would be like, this is misleading. It's like, okay, here's the thing. There's a difference. There's a biased documentary, which a lot of documentaries would be considered biased because they're, you know, they either have a motive or they have something that they're trying to lead the viewers to, some sort of conclusion. I mean, that's filmmaking. You're trying to get the people watching your film to end up at the same point by the end. So obviously it's going to have a motive. Um, I don't think, you know, a pro-vegan documentary is going to 
be very kind to the animal agriculture industries. But anyway, um, <laughs> people will be like, this is all lies. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, I mean, maybe some of the facts presented are, I wouldn't say um, exaggerated, but I mean, you still have to do your own research. Um, so people like to argue like just everything, even down to like how much water it takes to make a hamburger, you know, like based on how that data is collected or different studies or who funded those studies, you can come up with a lot of different answers, which is why people are like, oh, this person got this, uh, number of water. What am I saying? (laughs) I'm like getting heated, but also making no sense. Like, let's say one study finds this and then another study finds the complete opposite. Does that mean both are false? Does that mean both are somehow true? Um, no, you still have to look at each study and still try to make a uh, logical, rational conclusion on your own because even science sometimes isn't the most straightforward. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I fucking love Cowspiracy. I love What the Health. Um, a lot of people recently, such as Nathan's boss, for example, who, you know, pretty much knew nothing about veganism before the summer. Like, I was probably the only uh, vegan counselor at the camp that I worked at. And then Nathan's been eating mostly vegan for the past few months. Um, And so, yeah, his boss watched What the Health, and apparently they, him and his wife, have been um, eating vegan at home and stuff for, you know, the past few days since then, which is so awesome because that's the thing. Maybe these documentaries will not turn you vegan overnight or fully vegan, but I hope that they, you know, make you consider your food differently. And I think What the Health is really powerful because, um, you know, the World Health Organization classifies processed meats, you know, such as deli meats, hot dogs, things like that, as level one carcinogens, the most cancer-causing, the most dangerous um, in that kind of you know, categorical uh, organization. (laughs) So it's like, dude, just, I don't know, people should be more open to it. So what the health, cowspiracy. Anyway, my point was, uh, veganuary.com has a great um, selection of things to read or watch. So you can go to the vegan starter kit tab and that's got movies, you know, books, all kinds of information, um, beginning, you know, meal recipes, just everything you could possibly need. Uh, There's also recipes, eating out, supermarket, vegan myths, people news, whatever. So please uh, check out veganuary.com. This sounds like it's like sponsored by them. I wish it was. Um, But no, I'm just, I'm really glad that this movement is happening and that it's, you know, something that's marketable, you know, hashtag veganuary you know, go vegan for January, and that such a helpful collection of information is at one easy website. I mean, the most difficult thing is probably um, spelling or pronouncing veganuary. So other than that, you guys should be fine. Um, Let me know if any of you guys do check that out, or if you have already pledged to go vegan, or if you get a friend or family member to try it. Um, that's the thing too. So like vegan, vegan, Nathan, (laughs) Nathan has been eating mostly vegan and we eat completely vegan at home. Um, but that's completely his choice. You know, obviously I was the initial, um, 
influence. But, you know, since then he has made his own choices and he decides to eat, you know, how he wants to. But it's kind of funny because, like, even back home, like, when I was at my grandma's house, she's like, she's like, I know Tiffany's probably forcing you to eat vegan, something along those lines. I was like, Grandma, I'm not forcing Nathan to do anything. He's a 25-year-old man. He can eat whatever he wants. It just so happens that he also would like to eat mostly vegan most of the time. But anyway, um, <laughs> I always feel like the the people in my life, like my sister, um, I've, I've influenced her to eat... Um, a lot less meat and also her boyfriend. So it's like a very cool domino effect, I guess. Like once you um, start talking about it with someone and they maybe see um, what's possible for them to change or, you know, you take them grocery shopping and you find really good stuff. One godsend has been the Trader Joe's spicy chili veggie burgers, dude. Everybody I recommend those to is like, hell yeah, these veggie burgers are fucking delicious. So, go vegan, dude. You can get a nice veggie burger at Trader Joe's. You're set. Um, I'm going to take a quick pause, and then we will be continuing in just a moment. back. Um, the last vegan related things I want to mention is that Nathan and I are currently planning and writing out a um, completely dedicated vegan episode of the podcast. It may be the next episode, so stay tuned for next week. Um, but we want to discuss kind of these bigger vegan questions that I haven't really heard discussed. Because um, Nathan, in his education and, you know, his own curiosity about veganism and animal agriculture and all of that, um, and also the fact that he's from England, which has a slightly different um, attitude and everything toward animal farming. Um, like, for example, when we were in England, you're driving around and you always see, like, completely free-range or, like, you know, largely free-range, quote-unquote, um, you know, cows and sheep. And they look like they're having... Um, much better lives at that moment compared to, for example, the the really densely packed, you know, just miles and miles of cows that you see if you're driving, like, you know, through California. Um, so he's, he's just had a different experience. So anyway, he asked me a lot of really interesting questions about veganism and, you know, what's more ethical or what's not. And they're just really great discussions. And every time we have them, I'm like, save this. We should be having this discussion on the podcast, dude. So he is, uh, he's doing research and he's going to come prepared with, you know, great questions to ask and his own information and knowledge so that I don't blindside him or, you know, obviously if you're going to have a discussion, you want to be more knowledgeable. Um, so stay tuned for that. I hope you guys uh, enjoy that. Also, last thing I wanted to note was for those of you who are looking for other vegans on YouTube to check out, I really love Mike the Vegan, spelled M-I-C as in microphone, Mike the Vegan. Um, I was watching one of his videos this morning, and I just love him. I love the way that he um, does videos. Nathan doesn't like him. <laughs> he thinks he has like a kind of condescending attitude, but I enjoy him. He, um, he posted a video recently that was like three really simple, quick, healthy meals for starting vegans. So um, yeah, I like his videos. He always uses a lot of data and like references specific sources. 
Um, so I respect that because a lot of people who make vegan videos, such as myself occasionally, um, don't really reference the science behind what they're saying. So instead of just making claims based on, you know, facts that have been passed around or, you know, whatever, he actually cites the science. So respect, respect to that. In this next, uh, couple of minutes, I want to talk about old YouTube. Okay. So, um, Yes, with the whole Logan Paul thing, everyone, as in the people that I follow on Twitter, my community, um, a lot of people have been discussing just like what's wrong with YouTube, what's, what's wrong with social media, or how the current landsa- landscape, so to speak, of YouTube has led to creators like Logan Paul and Jake Paul, who just make the most ridiculous, clickbait, sometimes dangerous um, just completely attention-seeking trash content. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, I miss the old YouTube. I miss the days when, you know, the beginning of YouTube, you know, I was there. A lot of you were there. Um, a lot of you guys have been watching me since I was a 12-year-old, like, lip-syncing and making a beautiful playlist videos. So, (laughs) first of all, if you have been watching that long, thank you. But also, oh my god. Um, So yeah, a lot of people are like, I miss the old YouTube. I miss what YouTube was before it was too commercialized and, you know, became this attention-seeking kind of platform when people literally just made it, made videos for fun because, you know, there weren't really opportunities to monetize your videos and, um, you know, it wasn't as corporate in terms of like brand deals, sponsorships and all of that. Um, so I want to talk about that. First of all, I think maybe just a little bit, I'm going to be kind of the devil's advocate here and say, I feel like people are looking back on old YouTube with some rose colored glasses. Is that the expression? Rose colored glasses. I think so. (laughs) But like, you know, people are like, the things in the golden days, everything was so great. It's like, okay, but also if I think back to old YouTube, I was like 12 years old and I was watching like whatever popped up because there wasn't that much content. And like, you can't compare today's media and the amount of things that you can watch or do online to what was available in 2007 or 2008. Um, so right off the bat, it's it's hard to compare, but I get what people are saying. They they miss, like, the genuine, honest, low production value of YouTube because it was real and it was cool. And I do appreciate that and I miss it a little bit as well. Um, and that's, that's a big difference is, like, when monetization really started to pick up and creators started to be able to make a lot of money from ads, but also from sponsorships and and outside things, you know? Now it's like selling merch, music, every possible thing, because, you know, I think it's fair for people to make money, and especially when you're, you know, putting in so much work and you have such a big audience, you should be able to monetize that. But when it becomes purely about trying to get more views and you're you're like Logan and Jake Paul and you're flexing on how many views you get and how much money you have. And then you're just, you know, it's like, it's like any other part of media, really. Um, if you think about Hollywood or you think about the music industry, um, there are always, you know, certain performers who want to flex their money and they want to flex their power and influence. Um, it is very strange, you know. I I have gone to VidCon, for example, in the past, and um, 
sometimes I've met people like, you know, at VidCon they have these like very exclusive parties each night and you have to be on a list and usually those are like the top, top creators, which I am not under. Um, But a couple of times I've gotten in because of other people. So, you know, you go to those parties and like everyone is there. But um, one of the weird things I've noticed is like still, even within that like elite group of YouTubers, you meet people and one of the first things they ask you is how many subscribers you have. And it's like so gross because, you know, we're all creators. We all do this thing. You think we'd just be like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, you having fun? I don't know. Like, just kind of socialize like normal. But in like that setting, it literally is like, oh, hi, who are you? What do you do? How many views do you get? How much money do you make? That's the real question that people are asking you know, when they ask that. So it's like super uncomfortable because it's like, oh, sorry, I'm actually a low key, like small channel, which means I don't matter to you. Are you still interested in talking to me if you know I only have 100,000 subscribers and not a million, not 10 million? Um, So that is kind of icky. I agree. Um, But in old YouTube, I'm sure there was that sort of, um, at least the beginnings of that sort of culture because it's just natural. Like, when you can become very, very popular or, you know, you can make a lot of money doing something, obviously ego becomes, uh, you know, a component of that. So I'm sure in the old days, you know, it was like if you got a few thousand views, that was like major, you know? Like the first few people to hit a million subscribers, that was huge. And now there are thousands of creators with like over five or ten million subscribers. It's, it's crazy. It's just a completely different ballpark now um but again I don't know the comparisons and saying like I miss old YouTube it's like what's what's the point in saying that you know creators like me who have been on the platform for (laughs) a decade literally um obviously we've changed a lot the YouTube game has changed a lot and obviously the content we create has changed because who is going to create the same content when they're in their teens versus their 20s or their 20s to their 30s. Nobody. Um, So it makes sense that people change. Um, If you get corrupt as a creator and you no longer really care about the integrity of your content, you're literally only doing things to increase your own popularity and not for the joy of it, not for art, not for, you know, your audience. That's that's obviously when it becomes a problem. Um, But, yeah, it's funny because I... I think about old YouTube creators and like Tyler Oakley tweeted something recently. I'm going to see if I can find it Um, under old YouTube. (laughs) um, Here it is. He tweeted, I've been reading a bunch of tweets along the lines of I miss the old YouTube. Just want to remind y'all that your faves are still here making good shit. If you miss it, click it. Viewers decide every day what YouTube culture is by what they watch. So what are you watching? And on one hand, I agree with that. Um, if you do miss the creators you used to watch, sometimes people do lose the people that they used to love. So sometimes you'll stumble back upon their channel and go, oh my God, they're still making stuff. I still love what they do. I've gotten, you know, a couple comments or messages from people who are like, oh my God, I watched you years ago. I didn't know you were still making videos. Like, good to see that you're doing well. And I'm like, hello, old friend that I never knew. What's good? Um, but also people, you know, replied to Tyler's tweet and it's like, Um, (laughs) we may not necessarily want to watch what you're doing now. It's just a nostalgic thing. You know, it's like, 
I mean, I I met Tyler Oakley at VidCon. I used to be a fan of his content at one point, but like, do I have any desire to watch it now? Not really. I haven't looked at it in a while. It may be great content. I'm not sure. There are very few people that I watched like 10 years ago or even five years ago that I'd still be interested in watching today. So that doesn't really work, you know, just because it was old creators doesn't make that the same old YouTube, you know, because it's not the same. Um, you know, what's changed is <laughs> so many things. YouTube culture has changed and the algorithms change every day. You know, somebody like me, I've, I, I feel like I've pretty much stuck to what I've always wanted to do on YouTube, which was like, be genuine, be myself, make whatever content I want, like put that first rather than what gets views, what's ad friendly, you know. Um, and I feel like I've done a good job of that, but I still am guilty of sometimes changing my content in ways that make it more clickable or more attractive or more search friendly, you know? But that's natural. It's like, if I'm making money from this, which I am a little bit, um, obviously I'm gonna want to improve my business or my part-time job or whatever you wanna call this, and I'm gonna want it to be, you know, more successful. So in using these strategies like clickbait, for example, or, you know, the false thumbnails that people used to do before. Um, you know, it is like a business strategy and it makes sense why people are doing that. They're just trying to survive. They're trying to pay their bills. They're trying to stay relevant. Um, but it does, it does have this icky, like, low-key desperate <laughs> feeling attached to it because it's like, I mean, I don't know. There's no YouTuber out there who doesn't rely on their audience and so many YouTubers who used to be top YouTubers um, back in the day, you know, they're past what you would say was their prime and they're forever trying to get back to that point. They're forever trying to be more relevant, which sometimes I see that and it's, okay, for example, somebody like Andrea Russett, who I used to watch um, a little bit and I'm friends with her sister, Anna, shouts out Anna. Um, somebody like Andrea Russett, I've seen her kind of make like... Um, self-deprecating jokes about how she's less relevant than before or something. But it's like, dude, girl, you're still killing it. You're still getting like hundreds of thousands of views. You're not irrelevant. Your channel's not dead. There are a lot of people who like straight up lost like a huge majority of their viewership. Um, but I get it. It's hard when, when you're in this game that's so much about money. And I'm calling it a game because like that's how it feels among top YouTubers. Again, I'm not in that group, but I can only imagine, like, you're used to making a lot of money. You're living in LA, probably. It's kind of a toxic, competitive, hyper, self-conscious city to be in, in the social media realm. Um, and then suddenly you're not doing as well as you were before. It makes you desperate to want to get back to that point or to get better. And then you see people on the come up, so to speak, who are, you know suddenly like overnight sensations. It was like when Tana Mojo's channel went from like nothing to like a million in what, like a year? People were trying to replicate that. They were like, how did she do this? You know, it may be controversial. You may like her or not like her. Um, but I don't know. It's it, There's no formula to it. And it's frustrating because yeah, somebody who's been working for years and used to have a really solid audience and lots of growth, when that slows, it's it's frustrating and it sucks and it's really hard to figure out how to reverse that or if it's, if it's even possible because sometimes, you know what, people just aren't interested 
Um, let's take a little break and then we'll continue on that thought. I keep smiling like really creepily at the end of this. So if you're watching this on YouTube, sorry, here's our, uh, here's our Stegway music. And I'm back. Um, just before I lose this thought, I was just thinking, um, kind of about my own audience and the, the different like waves of inspiration or lack of inspiration on my channel. Um, and there have been points where I was like, okay, you know what? The people who get the most views, their audiences are like teens, you know, such as Logan and Jake Paul, you know, they're 12, 13, whatever. They're young kids. They have a lot of time on their hands and they are super fans. You know, if you get fans like that, who honestly get obsessed with you, um, and I'm not saying only that age group does that, but like mainly I would, I would argue that the most extreme, um, faithful, loyal fans who have a lot of time to like run fan accounts and make fan art, etc., would be mostly younger. Okay. That's just a generalization. That's a guess. So anyway, there was one point where I was like, maybe I need to kind of gear my content toward trying to attract those kinds of, um, demographics. And I quickly realized, mm, nope, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to make content that attracts like teens. You know, I'm in my 20s. Why would I want to make content that's relevant to kids? You know, so sometimes I see um, creators around my age making content that's like still talking about back to school, still talking about high school. I'm like, mm, unless it's in like a helpful sense, like tips or whatever. Um, it's just kind of strange to see someone who has been out of high school for like at least five years still talking about it and still trying to be relatable to kids who are currently in high school. Uh, no tea, no shade, but you know, Basically, what I'm saying is that led me to just look at my audience and obviously consider where I'm at at life. And, you know, since I like to make videos that are about my life and recently it's been, you know, following my journey studying abroad. So I have a lot of viewers who watched watch me and watched whatever because of my study abroad videos and because they are also interested in that. I have made a lot of videos relevant to college and young adult life. And that's where a lot of my other viewers have come from and also are going through the same thing. So it's like my audience demographic is like 18 to 34 maybe. So why would I try to make content geared toward kids or like teens, you know? I am making content that is about my adult life and hopefully that's relevant and interesting to my audience who's also perhaps going through similar things. Um, but anyway, it's just... It is frustrating because I understand why people want um, to be at their prime. But that's the thing is like you're only going to peak once, <laughs> at least in terms of like your YouTube career. So you may not realize it's the peak at one point. You're doing really well. You're feeling successful. You're getting a lot of views. You're getting a lot of new subscribers. And then suddenly it slows. And then you're like, well, shit, um, I got this. I can build it back up. And it's just like you'll drive yourself absolutely insane. You will go insane trying to, you know, only care about numbers and obsess about numbers in that way because, you know, it's unpredictable. That's the thing. That's another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of like the YouTube algorithm. People are trying to figure out how to use it, how to cheat it or, you know, just how to, 
use it to their benefit, but it's, it's so unpredictable. It changes all the time. So people are doing all these ridiculous things and clickbaiting the shit out of everybody just in these desperate attempts to try to have their videos be found, which I, I totally understand. Um, and again, I do the same thing sometimes. Um, but in terms of what the old YouTube used to be, I think a major thing is just like how YouTube treats its creators. Because um, yeah, back in the day, 2007, 2008, the very beginnings of YouTube, there just wasn't a lot of content. And that's why things like Charlie the Unicorn, Shoes, Charlie Bit My Finger, all of that went viral, like hugely viral because like viral videos were new. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just a crazy time. Like a video could be trending for months. Trending as in like still popular. People are still finding out about it. But now the pace is different. There's so much new content going up every single minute, not just on YouTube, but online in general, where it's like, how can you stay relevant for even a second? People don't get 15 seconds of fame. They may get like a day. You get like a, a day spike and boom, like, I don't know, that can be enough to start a career or, you know, you get a temporary boost and then all of a sudden you're off the radar again. So it sucks because obviously that change of pace has made people care more about quantity and just getting things out so that they can be seen rather than quality. Because um, back in the day, people only posted like when they could. They didn't even have schedules really. Um, but like... Then it became, okay, you need to pick a designated update. Update? <laughs> you need to pick a dedicated upload day. You need a vlog channel. You need to be vlogging as much as possible, too. Now you need to post two or three times a week. Try to post every day if you can. I'm like, what? How can you expect quality to, you know, stay up to par when you're trying to do ten times as much work as before? Bottom line, like creating YouTube videos does take a lot of time and especially when you're really trying to think of a concept and trying to be original and you know, all of that. It takes so much more time. It's impossible to be making, you know, really, really quality, thoughtful content on a daily basis and you will go crazy. <laughs> I don't know, unless you're somebody like Jake and Logan Paul. I don't want to keep mentioning them, but it's like they're the, they're the people of the hour right now. And, um, it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's so funny how in Logan's, um, apology, like tweet on his notes on his phone, he was like, he's like, this isn't about getting views. I get views. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Oh God. But it's like, it's true. He fucking gets views, dude. Like he, he can upload a piece of shit video and he'll get views. It's cause he's got the audience. He's got very, very loyal fans. And now he's got an army of haters who, you know, like me, don't support him. But now we're all curious and we're trying to maybe even find the next thing to call him out for. But like he, his views are going up. His subscribers are still going up. Um, his young fan base isn't going to unsubscribe. So it's like, even though he's getting a lot of negative press, it's still getting him a lot of attention. He's still getting more views and getting more money. He's still getting paid, you know? That's the twisted thing. It's like, you really can't, I don't know, especially on YouTube, like, hate, hate views are worth the same as your fans' views in terms of AdSense. So it's like, it's just interesting because if you really don't like someone you may want to look at their channel and hate watch it a little bit, but then you're like, oh wait, I will literally be giving you views and giving you money. Uh, increasing your, th your clout, they would say. 
I really shouldn't try to use words like that. <laughs> Next up, I wanted to just mention um, a few old YouTube personalities that I still enjoy to this day. First being Jenna Marbles. I love Jenna Marbles. I actually was not subscribed until like a few months ago because I didn't necessarily want to watch every one of her videos. Um, and you know, in the past like 10 years or so, however long she's been making videos, she's been the queen of YouTube, dude. I met her at Big Gun 2 one time. Fun fact. But um, yeah, I would go through waves of interest and, you know, in the past few months rediscovered her videos and her podcast with Julian and I really enjoy them. But she is still making content that is true to her. It's not corporate. She didn't like, she didn't like gloss it up, you know, like a lot of people, if they were, you know, millions of subscribers and views deep, they would be like, okay, we've got to, we got to make this more professional. We've got to do a big production value. And she's still just chilling with Julian, like doing weird shit to her hair and playing with her dogs. Like, I love her content. It's really funny. It's fun. Um... And it's just, it's simple. And I really like that. And then their podcast, um, I really enjoy. I don't listen often, but sometimes I'll check it out on YouTube and just have it playing in the background or something. Um, another person that I still enjoy occasionally is Grace Helbig. I fucking love Grace Helbig. I'm pretty sure the first time I found her channel, she was at 20,000 subscribers. Like, for some reason, I remember that. I was with McKenna, and we were, like, watching one of her videos from years ago. And I was like, oh, this girl's really cool. Had no idea she was, like, 10 years older than me. I was like, wow, maybe she's, like, our age. <laughs> she still looks very young. She's fucking killing it. Um, but Grace is another, you know, kind of queen of YouTube. And I think she deserves that. She's been posting very, very consistently for years on years on top of her podcast, um, movies, shows. She has done so much. And her content is still her. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And again, I don't think I'm subscribed, but when I get like a Grace video in my recommended, I'll, I'll watch it. And I like her. I'm following her on Instagram. So that helps me keep up with her a little bit. The last person is Shane Dawson. This is funny because I didn't watch Shane back in the day. Like, when he was his, like, straightened hair, like, blackface and, like, his sketches and things, I didn't watch that. Um, I didn't like that kind of humor. But I will watch the shit out of a fucking Shane Dawson conspiracy video um, and, like, lots of other shit that he does. Mostly his conspiracy videos. I don't know what it is, but, like, if I'm in the mood to watch some kind of video. I love listening to his like spooky voice where he's like, and you wouldn't even believe what happens next. They fell off the roller coaster and died. That was like a really terrible example. <laughs> Super cringy, but I fucking love it. And um, yeah, Shane has been killing it. And he is definitely an old YouTube YouTuber who's like doing really well to this day. You know, people will say he's past his prime. He'll do anything for views. He's got galaxy bullshit. It's like, whatever. His videos are still enjoyable. His audience, you know, is a mix of new and old, I assume. And um, yeah, you know, I don't watch every single video. I'm not subscribed, but I do still enjoy him and I'm glad that he's still around, you know? Um, <laughs> but anyway, to end this whole new YouTube thing, or new versus old YouTube. Um, I watched a Lexi Lombard video on her second channel, which is like a low-key video. 
Um, she just posts videos, like, on her, like, computer, just chatting, you know. Um, and this one was about old YouTube and how she wants to kind of bring bring old YouTube back. She said, hashtag reinvent YouTube. So I'll see what she means by that in her upcoming content. But yeah, I mean, it really is, it is, it is up to us, you know, as a viewer, you get to decide who you support. As a creator, you get to decide what kind of content you're going to make, how you're going to market it, if you're going to market it. Maybe you'll just start posting stuff and go, fuck, I don't know. Let me throw this video into oblivion and hope somebody clicks on it. Um, That being said, though, how much power do we, the 20-somethings, or, you know, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm guessing. I'll call us all 20-somethings. I don't know. Um, in the scheme of YouTube, it's like, how much of an impact are we going to make? I don't know. But you would make a big impact if you support smaller channels, such as myself. So thank you for listening. Um, but there are so many other channels under, like, 500,000 views. Or what? subscribers. <laughs> and you may say, oh my god, like that's considered small. Uh, on these days of YouTube, apparently it is. If you have less than a million, you've got a small channel. <laughs> it's so fucked. Um, but yeah, channels such as myself or, you know, all the way down to like actually small, like under a thousand channels. Um, the more you support those channels and give them feedback, give them support, um, the better the community will be and let them know, you know, the kind of videos that you really enjoy and I don't know, maybe give some constructive criticism on videos that you don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, just lead by example, watch what you want to support, maybe stop hate watching people so that they stop getting more views and end up being promoted even more. I mean, I know we're all annoyed when like, I always get like random videos in my like recommended for weeks and I'm like, why is it recommending this to me? And then I'll finally watch it. And in the comments, it's like YouTube recommended this to me for so long. So I had to finally watch it like blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm like, why is YouTube shoving this video down my throat? Why? But then I watch it and sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. So who knows? Let's take a break. <music> Actually, guys, change of plans. My camera decided it's dying. It showed me it had um, half a battery, and now it's just dying. So I think we'll actually end this episode early. But I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I didn't get to touch on um, Time's Up or the Golden Globe blackout. But you guys can check out timesupnow.com. The website is really great. They've got a lot of facts about um, feminism and equality and, you know, um, all of these issues that women are facing today and they've got their mission, which is Time's Up is Unified Call for Change for Women. Mm, and stuttering. You can read that on the website. I'm stressed now, dude. How dare you be blinking and dying when I'm here ready to chat for days? Also, note to self, why don't I have a backup battery? Maybe I should buy another one. Anyway, um, yes, again, if you would like to support the podcast, please check out uh, patreon.com slash previously gifted. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, previously gifted podcast. Leave a review on iTunes. If you have listened to this whole thing, I would really appreciate it. Um, and I love you guys. Mwah. Okay, thanks. Bye.